Good morning, Walloon Lake Church. How are you today? And good morning, East Jordan Community Church. Glad you're with us as well. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about the frog in the kettle. Can we put that up there, Daniel? Yeah. You're familiar with this little guy? Uh, here, here's the deal with the frog in the kettle. When he first gets in the kettle, the water's kind of warm and comfy and cozy, but slowly as the fire uh, heats things up, uh, things get hotter and hotter. And the idea is before the frog even realizes it's too late, he's getting cooked for supper. Frog legs, anybody ever had frog legs? Yep, there you go. Uh, and now it's too late and he's cooked to death. Today, in the book of Judges, that's exactly what the nation of Israel is all about. Judges chapters 13 and 14, Israel is so comfortable uh, coexisting with their enemies, the Philistines. Uh, they should have been crying out for help, but instead uh, the nation of Israel is really at peace. They're doing okay, Henry. God's chosen people don't groan, they don't resist, they don't cry out because of their captors. Why? Listen close. They've completely adopted and adapted to the values, the morals, the idols of the Philistines. They're, they're right at home. Matter of fact, it seems at this particular time, if you could marry a Philistine, uh, in this culture, you really would be going up in society. Go along, get along. The Philistines, the children of Israel, they just got along swimmingly. And God's chosen people, as a result, are in danger of extinction. They, they were completely assimilating into the world and becoming one with the Philistines. Just like the frog in the kettle, okay? God raises up a judge, and the judge he raises, that, that, that judge's name is Sam, is so comfortable in the Philistine world that Jehovah is going to use his sinful weakness to tear apart Israel's cozy relationship with the Philistines. If you have uh, your phone, locate Judges chapter 13 on your Bibles. God raises up a judge to deliver his chosen people when they didn't even realize they needed a hero. Okay? They didn't even know they were in deep trouble. They didn't notice the water in their pot was starting to boil. If you're able, would you stand with me now? Let's read about the birth of a strong, mighty judge. I'm telling you, this guy's violent, impulsive, emotionally immature, He's unteachable. He won't listen to his parents. I would argue this is in some ways the strongest of all the judges. And in many ways, he's the weakest of all the judges. We're going to read the first seven verses. Judges chapter 13. Read with me. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan 
lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you've been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, A man of God appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. I didn't ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he told me, You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor any forbidden food, for your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this strong, mighty, weak, and flawed judge named Samson. Lord, uh, he's uh, one of my favorites to read and study about. And Lord, I pray that his example today will just ring loud and strong in our hearts and our minds today. Please help us to learn today from these inspired words that you've written down and preserved for us. Lord, would, would you wake us up where we need woken up, Lord? Would you encourage us where encouragement is needed, Lord, uh, where instruction and hope are, are uh, required? Lord, would you bring that through your book? I just want to pause for a moment because we've got a long-standing member of the family here, Dan Montai, who's uh, had a rough week. And uh, Lord, I certainly pray for Dan and Kathy and the children, Lord, give them lots of your grace and mercy right now in their time of need. And help them to know that their church family loves them. And we're praying for them. And we're praying for healing for, for Dan. So we ask that in the strong name of your son, Jesus. Lord, uh, use these weak lips today. Lord, uh, help us to hear clearly from you. And all the church family gathered at Walloon Lake said with one united voice. Amen. You can be seated. Samson is the only judge chosen to be a judge before he was even born. Okay? He was a Nazarite, a set-apart for the Lord man. And notice with me who appears to Samson's parents. An angel of the Lord. That is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. You understand, Jesus Christ has always existed. The Son always has been. He always has been the second person of the Trinity. And he makes an appearance here to tell the parents of this special young man that's on the way. Now, Mrs. M, that's what I call her, because we don't get her name, uh, Samson's mama is instructed. 
Don't drink alcohol. Don't touch anything that's dead, even while you're pregnant. Um, And when this child is born, never take him to the barber. Don't let him sit in the barber shop chair. Don't ever cut his hair because your son, your baby boy, is going to be a Nazarite. Other Nazarites in the Bible, Samuel and John the Baptist. So uh, he's one of uh, at least three that we know. We find out about the Nazarite vows, number 16, verses 1 to 6. Normally, Nazarite vows were for a limited time. Okay, We're going to be following these vows for uh, this period of time. No alcohol, no touching anything dead, no razor to the head. But this, this child, this boy, Samson, he's going to be a Nazarite for life. His entire life, these rules apply to him, okay? Every time Samson sees his hair flying in his face, every time he sits down at a meal, he's going to have to think, no wine, no grape juice, no raisins. Uh, Every time he sees something dead, don't go near it, anything unclean. A reminder to Samson, you belong to God Almighty. You are set apart for Jehovah and his plan. And I've got special plans for you, Sam. Uh, Judges chapter 13, slide down to verse 8. It's a great verse. Sam's dad is told the news. You're going to be the earthly father to a special child. Here's what it says. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord, please let the man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about this son who's to be born. I I love it. Manoah is saying, Lord, we don't know how to raise up a child. We we thought we were never going to have children, and now you're telling us we're going to be the parents of a dedicated Nazarite child? We we don't know how to raise a child like this. Uh, The secret to raising children is this, okay? might want to take notes, okay? Here's the secret. to to raising children. James 1, verse 5. Now here's what it says. (laughs) Help, Lord, we need your wisdom. That's exactly what Manoah says. Lord, we need your guidance. We, We need your perspective on how to raise this child properly. And can I tell you, parents, grandparents, that's still the secret. Help every day. Lord, we need your help, your guidance, your divine wisdom, and here's what the promise says, James 1.5, if we ask, if we cry out to the Lord, He gives us wisdom abundantly. Isn't that good, Henry? Abundant. More than we need is what He's going to supply. Okay, slide down with me. Verses 24 and 25. When her son, Mrs. M, was born, she named him Samson. Sonny is his name. Okay? And the Lord blessed him as he grew up, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he lived in Mahanandan, which is located between the town of Zorah and Eshtol. Okay. God's blessing, God's stamp of approval, God's applause, God's congratulations are on Samson's life. Judges 13. Okay? Uh, and now... 
the Spirit of the Lord, the same Spirit that lives in followers of Jesus today, began to stir in Samson. Uh, he was born to godly parents. He has a heart for the Lord. I would argue Samson had every spiritual advantage. Okay, Which reminds me that God works through spiritually flawed people. Okay, And oh, is this judge flawed. Oh, is this judge messed up. We're going to dig in today and next Sunday as well. It reminds me, it should remind us, we too need a great deliverer. We need someone to be our hero, and his name is who? Jesus. Jesus is our hero. We need him to every day rescue us from ourselves. Jesus, rescue me from where I can go without you. Judges 14, next chapter. Most commentators estimate Samson's about 25 years old now. Okay? He's dedicated unto the Lord, raised by godly parents, set apart to do God's work, and now the hormones kick in. Let's read together, starting with verse 1, Judges 14. One day... When Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Ugh. Uh, I mean, really, really. Uh, and his father and his mother objected, okay? Timnah was about five miles from the town that Sam grew up, five miles from Sam's house, okay? So catch this, Samson is out tooling around on his donkey, and he spots a beautiful Philistine babe. Ooh, I like what I see. Verse 2, Sam comes running home, and says to his parents, I've seen a Philistine woman. She's gorgeous. I want her. I don't just want to get to know her. I want to marry her. She's pleasing to my eye. Now, can you just hear the conversation that ensues? Okay, uh, Manoah and his wife. Okay, Sam, that's great. What's her name? Uh I, I don't know her name. Uh, well, what's she like, Sam? Um, she's beautiful. Okay, Sam, is she funny? Is she smart? I'm uh, not sure. <laughs> All I know is she's hot, and I love her. Get her for me. Th that's where Samson is at. He's impulsive. He's got a total lack of self-control, and he's allowing his hormones to control him. The temptation to obsess on the physical side, just like Samson, I would argue, has never been greater than it is today. 2023. Everywhere you look, you, you got beautiful people trying to show off and everybody in our culture is trying to get everybody to go, wow, what an outward package. We judge others we make value judgments based on people's physical appearance like never before. It's all about the outer package. 
We want to be friends with the beautiful, with the attractive. We reject people who don't meet up and measure up to our standards. And we often don't dig any further than skin deep, just like Samson. Uh, Do you recall when Samuel was looking to choose the second king of Israel? Do you remember what the Lord said to Samuel? Here's what it is, 1 Samuel 16:7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by how? By the outward appearance, the outward package. But the Lord looks where? What does the Lord care about? The heart. I would argue if the God of the universe is not impressed with the outward package, perhaps we should follow his lead. Perhaps we should care more about people's hearts than how they look on the outside. Okay? Verse 3, Sam's parents speak truth. His mother and his father objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or amongst all the Israelites you could marry? They asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? Manoah, Sam's mom, distressed, upset. Why are you doing this, Sam? Why are you making this impulsive, hormone-driven decision? So, here's my question. Were Sam's parents just being too old-fashioned? Were Sam's parents just being too conservative? Why weren't they excited about his choice for a wife? Okay, Let me give you some verses. Exodus 34, 11-16 says clearly, marriage between believers in Jehovah God and unbelievers will lead you astray. It's always wrong. It's never God's plan for a believer and an unbeliever to be united as husband and wife. Never. Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 to 4. Do not intermarry with unbelievers. Why? They will turn my children away from me. Joshua 23, 12 and 13. Marry those who don't know the Lord our God, and ugly, sad consequences will flow your way. Well, that's all old section. Let's put one up, new section. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 16. Here's what Paul writes to the church at Corinth, to the church at Walloon. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple, our bodies, and idols? Samson is asking his parents to cooperate in disobeying one of the clearest commands in all of the Bible. He's saying, Mom, Dad, I I know what the Bible says, but I want to be super glued. I want to become one flesh with this beautiful woman. The fact that she doesn't know Jehovah God 
isn't interested in the God of the Bible, I don't care. I'm attracted to her. Get her for me. Do you understand what's going on? I, I want her. Get her for me. Now, Samson's parents start strong, but if you go back to the text, verse 5, it says, As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Okay? So suddenly, they're saying, why are you doing this? And by verse 5, they're caving in to Samson's sinful appetites. Okay? They're joining Samson and heading to Philistine territory to get him a wife for their set-apart, believing Nazarite son. Do you understand the disconnect? Okay? We know you've been set apart, Sam. We know God has chosen you. We've raised you to know Jehovah God, but we're going to go along and get along with you. Okay? I want to pause here for two points of application. First is to those of you who are not married. Can I see your hand? If you're not married here, can I see your hand right now? Lift up your hand. Okay. I have this to say to you. Been a pastor now over 40 years. I've seen dozens of people like Samson say, I, I'm not going to listen to God. I know what God's word says, but I think I have a better idea. And I think I'm going to be okay, and I'm not going to do it God's way, and I'm going to date and pursue and get engaged and get married to someone who doesn't know Jesus, and they're not a follower of Christ. And I just need to say, uh, I know what you're thinking. Well, they're going to change. They'll come around. They love me. Surely they're going to love my Jesus. Two times in 40 plus years I've seen that happen. Two times the unsaved person became a follower of Jesus. And dozens and dozens and dozens of times I've seen sad, lonely, oftentimes disintegrating marriages. When your spouse doesn't share your faith in Jesus... There's great pressure to adapt, to compromise, to, well, well, I won't go quite as strong for Jesus because that will tick off my husband, my wife. Please understand, when you marry someone who doesn't share your love and devotion to Jesus, the most important thing in your life you can't share with that human person that you're going to spend the most time with of anyone else. They will compromise. They will mess up. And I promise you, as the Lord blesses and you have children, it's really going to mess them up. you got an unsaved, unchurched mom or dad with one who does know Jesus. Usually they follow the unchurched one. Okay, second point of application. I'm sure that Sam's parents thought they were being really nice and kind to cater to Sam's hormones. And I just need to say very strongly, here's truth, caving in is not loving. Caving in and compromising what God's word has to say is weak and easy 
and spineless. And I suspect this was not the first time that Sam was chasing Philistine skirts. And therefore they were probably already on the alert. Well, that's just Sam. I just need to say, parents, grandparents, can you hold your hands up? If you're a parent or a grandparent, lift up your hand. Okay. As long as you have influence, okay? As long as you have influence on your children and your grandchildren, I'm sorry, but as long as you're living in this home, we're not even going to date unchurched, unsaved folk. Not even, you're not even going to date someone who isn't a strong follower of Jesus. Because okay? now I hear some people go, well, well, they say they're a Christian, but they don't act. Well, then don't date them either. Okay? Remember Joshua, Joshua 24, 15? Here's what Joshua says. As for me and my house, what goes on in my house, we're going to serve the Lord in here. Okay? We're going to do it God's way. That needs to be our motto, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, okay? Well, they'll be angry and they'll pout and they won't talk to me and they won't be my friend. And if I don't let them go to the dance with Johnny, who's the great athlete, or this little girl who's so beautiful, listen listen closely, okay? Jesus chose you to be their parents, okay? Not to be their friend, their buddy, their pal. That may come later, Right now, our children, our grand, they need us to parent them. As for me and my house, listen, we're, we're going to do it God's way. That, that has to be what's going on. If you're a follower of Jesus, let's do it God's way. Okay? Not going to even date un, unchurched Harry or Mary. Under this roof, we're going to do it God's way. Okay? Samson's parents cave. They, they're going to go along, they give in to Samson's demands. And you'll notice on the way home, Samson is playing fast and loose with his Nazarite vows. Okay? So when, when, he, when he came, he looks and he sees the, the lion that he had killed. Guess what was in the lion? Bees had made a, a little nest and now he's getting the honey, and now he's playing uh, games with his Nazarite vows, touching the dead lion's carcass. Um, Samson is more focused on his physical appetite because it looked good, because I'm hungry. Well, I know I'm a Nazarite, I know I'm set apart, but it looks good. I'm going to do it my way. He was more focused on his sexual appetite. Because this Philistine babe looked good, Samson cared more about his physical and sexual appetites than he cared about his relationship with the Lord. Okay? Samson was just like the children of Israel. Put this up. He reflects the spiritual carnalness and rottenness of the children of Israel that he was sent to rescue. Let that soak in. So Samson really mirrors the people he's there to rescue because he's just like them. he's, He's all messed up. Verses 10 to 14, 
Samson's father arranges the marriage. You can look at it, okay? Making final arrangements for the marriage. So Samson throws a seven-day party to celebrate his marriage. Let me, let me uh, translate. There's going to be a drinking, drunken party thrown for seven straight days, okay? Another vow bites the dust, okay? Stay away from grapes. And then, to liven up the party, look at verse 12. Samson says, you know what? Let's make a little wager. Let's have a little gambling. Let's liven this party up. And he wagers 30 sets of fine linen robes and festive clothes, okay? Maybe you don't understand this. Fine linen clothes and coats and cloaks and festive clothes, 30 sets of those was worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, okay? That was the wager, okay? And I'm going to give you this little riddle, and, and he had just killed the lion, and then he dug out of it the honey, and that's what the riddle is all about, okay? And he's going to tell you, if you can figure this riddle out, then I owe you 30 sets of linen and fine clothing. And, and if, if you do, then, then you'll pay me. Okay, that's what the wager is all about. When the guests, the 30 guests, can't figure out Samson's riddle, now they're upset. You, you've invited me now, and you're going to take money away from me. I'm going to leave this wedding poor. So now they threaten the bride and her family with death. We're going to burn you to death. We're going to burn your entire family. This is to the bride. And Sam's bride, she didn't know him. He didn't even know her name up until a little bit ago. She's not with her muscly fiancé. She's with her family. She's going to protect her family. So they wear her down. They get the secret. And now they've won the bet. They've won the gambling wager. Look at Judges 14, 19. Samson, enraged, goes to a different city in Philistine land, and he kills 30 Philistines, and he strips them of their clothing, and now he brings 30 sets of dead people's clothes to pay off his debt. One commentator suggested they think Samson probably went and found another wedding party and killed the entire wedding party to pay off his gambling debt. Can you see the picture that Judges 14 paints of Samson? Okay, He's focused on his sexual appetite with this Philistine woman. He's focused on his physical appetite with the honey and the dead lion. He's focused on his thirst for fun. Seven days of eating, seven days of partying. He's focused on the thrill of gambling. I'm going to wager tens of thousands of dollars. And then he's focused on revenge when he kills 30 people to pay off his wager. Can I say something? Samson is the poster boy for the carnal life. For followers of Jesus. He, he, he is representing 
exactly in vivid color when a dedicated follower of Jesus, where we are capable of going if we don't daily walk with Jesus. That's where we, if we wander, if we drift, if we stray from daily walking with Jesus, can I tell you, we're going to wind up just like Samson. That's where we go. I, I just heard yesterday uh, a young man raised in church. He was baptized. He was a follower of Jesus. And then he got in with the wrong crowd and pretty soon he owed over $4 million. Guess where he is today? He's in prison. He's, he was, how could that happen? I'm telling you, how could this happen to Samson? A dedicated, set apart, raised by godly parents. How, how can this happen? You don't walk with Jesus. You get focused on feeding your appetites and your sinful desires more than Jesus Christ. That's exactly where we can head quickly. Frog in the kettle. Samson had become so accustomed to the Philistine world, he didn't even notice when it started getting hot, when his faith in Jehovah God began to burn and fry. He didn't realize that his friendship with the world meant hatred toward his God. Where do you get that? James 4, verse 4. I close this morning with this choice. Okay, Samson had to make it. We have to make this choice. Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. Here's what it says. Deuteronomy 30. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Verse 20. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. It really is crystal clear. We daily get to choose. We daily will choose. Are you going to choose life and blessing? Or are you going to choose death and curses? And did you notice there's no middle ground, Henry? Okay, uh, It's either going to be death and curses or life and blessings. And most of us, we're trying to find some middle ground to straddle. There's no third choice. I promise you, <laughs> I've tried both sides of the fence. I agree with Moses. Choose life. Choose blessings. Choose to walk daily with Jesus. Will you? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, thank you for a very real, honest example for us to learn from. Thank you for Samson's life and its clear and its honest picture, unflattering in most ways, ugly, carnal, compromised life of Samson. Would you point out in us right now, would you point out in me where we're choosing death and curses instead of life and blessing? We're listening. 
make it clear. Are we in danger, Lord, of drifting away from your son, Jesus? Are we in danger of wandering away, making a mess of our lives? Wake us up. Convict us, Lord, we ask. And Lord, give us the courage to actually do the U-turn and come running home to you. Lord, we've seen in your word, you're always there looking for us to come running home, and you'll come run and meet us right there. Thank you for that, Lord. Is it possible that you're here this morning, or perhaps watching online, and you don't know personally Jesus Christ, the giver of life and blessing? Jesus left the glory and splendor of heaven for you, for me. He took on a human body, lived a sinless life, took our place on the cross, shed his blood for our greatest problem, we're sinners, took our place in the grave, early Sunday morning arose from the dead for you, for me. Here's what you need to know. Jesus is a gentleman. He knocks. He waits for us to open the door. He waits for us to invite him in. Will you welcome Jesus into your life today? Will you believe? Will you receive? Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior, my King, my forever friend. I choose to follow you. If you're here in person, make your way to the prayer corner. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. We'll have a a direct message just with you. We'll help you get going in this brand new journey with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. It's an honor and a privilege to know your Son. And we're grateful that he brings life and blessing. Bring that to our lives as we choose to do it your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray.